MSW Media. Big shout out today to Helix Sleep. Take their two-minute sleep quiz and they'll match you to a mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans and use code HELIXPARTNER. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, July 26, 2023. Today, the Department of Justice calls Jim Jordan's bluff and offers to allow Hunter Biden prosecutor David Weiss to testify to Congress. UPS and the Teamsters have reached an agreement averting a strike. Ron DeSantis has fired about a third of his campaign staff. Unsealed documents confirm what I told you 10 days ago. There were seven more search warrants in addition to Mar-a-Lago. The Biden administration is canceling an additional $130 million in student debt for 7,400 people in Colorado. And John Eastman's attorneys are drafting letters for both federal and state prosecutors in in the Georgia and Jack Smith cases against him. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Hey, everybody. Happy Wednesday. If it's echoey and loud in here, I'm in New York. I'm in Brooklyn. I'm here for a book talk with Miles Taylor. That's going to be happening Wednesday, July 26, 7 p.m. in New York City. You can get all the details. Uh, Maybe we'll put a link in the show notes, but you can definitely get them off of all of my socials on threads at Muller She Wrote or on Twitter at Muller She Wrote as well. I also posted it up on Facebook uh, because that's just a happening place (laughs) over on Facebook. So I hope to see you there. There are still some tickets available for that. So yeah, happy to be here in Brooklyn. Happy to be here to support Miles Taylor and his important book. I hope you got a copy of it. It's called Blowback. It's really, really good. All right, we do have a lot of news to get to today. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, first up from CNN, U.S. Attorney David Weiss, who has led the Hunter Biden criminal probe, has offered to testify at a public congressional hearing this fall. That's according to a letter sent to lawmakers on Monday. House Republicans have demanded that Weiss and Donald, uh, who is a Donald Trump appointee, by the way, they've demanded he answer questions about allegations from two IRS whistleblowers that the tax investigation was tainted by political interference. The new letter from the Justice Department proposes several dates in September and October when Weiss would be willing to testify to the House Judiciary Committee, which is led by Jim Jordan. Notably, those dates are all long after Hunter Biden's scheduled guilty plea, which is set to take place Wednesday. He's agreed to plead guilty to two federal tax misdemeanors as part of a plea deal. The new letter, signed by Assistant Attorney General Carlos Urardi, says that the Justice Department has reservations about public testimony while investigations and judicial proceedings are ongoing. But because there are misrepresentations that need to be addressed, and it's strongly in the public interest for the American people and for Congress to hear directly from Weiss, they're going to let him do it. They're calling Jim Jordan's bluff. Quote, we're deeply concerned about any misrepresentations about our work, whether deliberate or arising from misunderstandings that could unduly harm public confidence in the even-handed administration of justice to which we are dedicated. That's Uriarty writing in that letter. The whistleblowers claim the Justice Department officials slow walked the criminal probe into Hunter Biden's tax issues, stymied their efforts to obtain subpoenas and search warrants, rebuffed their attempts to further scrutinize the Biden family, and repeatedly blocked Weiss from filing the felony charges that they had recommended. Law enforcement, by the way, doesn't recommend charges. Prosecutors do. 
Their allegations of political interference in the probe have been met with adamant denials from Weiss himself, Attorney General Merrick Garland, and other top Justice Department officials who were involved. In previous letters to Congress, Weiss has maintained that he was granted ultimate authority over this matter, including responsibility for deciding where and when and whether to file charges. Merrick Garland said he had more power than a special counsel. A sentencing date has not yet been scheduled for Hunter Biden. Even if that happens before Weiss testifies, Hunter Biden would still be under the supervision of the court until he completes his sentence, including potential years of probation. Therefore, the letter states there will be some restrictions on what Weiss can publicly reveal due to the ongoing nature of the criminal case. But we're going to let him come in and talk to you because, you know, frankly, here's the way that I see it. Jim Jordan and his House Republican cronies, they like to call things out that can't possibly happen. Director Ray, we need you to tell us what's going on uh, with the search warrant at Mar-a-Lago. Sorry, it's an open and ongoing investigation. We can't talk about those. David Weiss, we want you to come in and testify about this Hunter Biden situation. Sorry, it's an open and ongoing investigation. We want these documents to be handed over in the Jack Smith special counsel probe. Nope, sorry, open, open and ongoing investigation. They know that. The House Republicans know that. I mean, if they don't, they're irretrievably stupid, but they know that. They're just being obtuse. And so now, DOJ is like, look, we normally don't do this, but we're going to fucking do it right now. And I want to see what happens to Jim Jordan now that they're calling his bluff. DOJ's been doing this, and so has the FBI. Well, the FBI is part of the DOJ. Quite recently, when, you know, uh, D- Jim Jordan demanded and Comer demanded that they have get information, uh, you know, about uh, these internal whistleblowers from the FBI. And they're like, fine, you want it? Here you go. We yanked their security clearances. They're all pieces of shit. And now you're paying them and giving them jobs in exchange for their testimony. We saw Merrick Garland call the Republicans bluff and Trump when Trump was, we we need to release the search warrant affidavit, release it now, thinking that the DOJ would never do that. And then the DOJ said, sure, buddy, here you go. Fuck you. So I'm I like this kind of bluff calling and we'll see what happens with Jim Jordan here. The letter goes on to be clear. The most appropriate time for any testimony on these subjects is after the matter is closed. Testimony at this early juncture must be appropriately limited to protect the ongoing matter and important confidentiality interests. But the Justice Department letter also discloses that the GOP run House Judiciary Committee has authorized subpoenas for several DOJ officials who were involved in the Hunter Biden investigation. Jim Jordan's out here handing out subpoenas, and he hasn't fucking responded to his own, which is 400 days old. The Justice Department said this happened prematurely, while there was still time to negotiate voluntary depositions and before the stated deadline that Jordan set in a previous letter. So he's out here not only subpoenaing when he's got a subpoena that he hasn't responded to, but he's doing it early, when it's unnecessary. When we do it, We say, do you want to come in voluntarily? No. Please, do you want to come in voluntarily? No. One last time, you sure you don't want to come in? No. Okay, because we're going to subpoena you? No. All right, so then we'll give you a subpoena. I'm not coming in for the subpoena. Then once the subpoena's done, we say, hey, one more chance, last chance hotel, even though this is chance number 80, because we're Democrats and we give all those chances. No. 400 fucking days. And here he is making it rain subpoenas, before he's even asked anybody if they want to come in volunteer. It's abs- just, just a shit show. The hypocrisy is stunning. I hope you guys listen to Clean Up on All 45 this week. There's a lot more of it.
From Lauren Gurley at The Washington Post, UPS and the International Brotherhood of Teamsters reached a deal Tuesday as a crucial step toward averting a nationwide strike that was slated for August 1st. Big victory for organized labor and part-time workers struggling with inflation, which is, by the way, down by half since last year and the lowest globally of our global competitors. The tentative five-year agreement with Teamsters, which is a union that represents 340,000 workers, includes immediate raises, immediate for all UPS employees, as well as the elimination of a lower paid class of delivery driver and installation of air conditioning units in the new delivery vans. That's required now for the first time. The Teamsters said under the tentative agreement, all UPS union employees will receive a $2.75 per hour raise this year and a $7.50 per hour pay increase over the next five years. Quote, we demanded the best contract in the history of UPS and we got it. That's Teamsters General President Sean M. O'Brien. Quote, this contract sets a new standard in labor and raises the bar for all workers. Carol Tomei, UPS's chief executive, praised the deal in a statement, calling it a win-win-win. Quote, this agreement continues to reward UPS's full and part-time employees with industry-leading pay and benefits while retaining the flexibility we need to stay competitive, serve our customers, and keep our business strong. That's UPS's chief executive, Carol Tomei. Pay for UPS's part-time workers, who make up about half of the workforce, will start at $21 an hour, a notable boost from the current $16.20 per hour. This summer has been marked by a number of high-profile strikes, including a historic double strike paralyzing Hollywood, with 160,000 actors, 15,000 writers on picket lines. Additionally, thousands of nurses, hotel workers, university workers have all gone on strike across the nation in 2023, often seeking higher wages that have not kept up with surging inflation or just regular inflation. We stop throwing that has to be surging inflation in there. Like I said, it's down. It hasn't hasn't kept up with shit in decades. 2023 is the year. It is the year of the union. It is the year of accountability. It's just... We need to celebrate this and we need to continue to support our labor unions. Altogether, about 322,000 workers have gone on strike so far this year. That's according to data compiled by Bloomberg. That's the highest number since 2019 when half a million workers, including tens of thousands of teachers, went on strike. A strike at UPS would have posed the most significant threat to the U.S. economy of any strike in years. Now, we know the railroad strike was headed off twice. That could have also posed a very significant amount of damage to the economy. UPS handles roughly a quarter of some 59 million packages shipped nationwide every day, according to the Pitney Bowes Parcel Shipping Index. Labor leaders have said the UPS contract deal is also crucial to the union movement, which has shrunk by half over the past four decades because of attacks on unions, make no mistake, and that a strong deal could influence future access to blue-collar jobs with middle-class pay and benefits, and we're going to fucking need it because of the Inflation Reduction Act and the Infrastructure Act and what this Biden presidency has done for manufacturing jobs, clean energy jobs, union jobs, shit made in America, all the way down from the top to the bottom. We want more wind energy, but not just that. We want those turbine blades made by steel that is manufactured in the United States, and we want them assembled in the United States by labor union workers. So from top to bottom, right, bottom up, middle out, we are rebuilding the middle class. Unions need to, you know, have our support because we are going to need them more and more as we increase this labor market. The tentative deal reached Tuesday includes the establishment 
of Martin Luther King Jr. Day as a paid holiday for all workers for the first time and a ban both on driver-facing cameras in the truck cabs and forced overtime on drivers' scheduled days off. The deal also establishes 7,500 new full-time union positions at UPS, which the union says will provide more opportunities for part-time workers to transition to full-time jobs. The deal also represents a potential victory for the White House. A strike could have endangered the economic progress on the administration, but the president has also tried boosting efforts to unionize and is determined to appear pro-worker because he is pro-worker, Washington Post. Administration officials were in frequent communication with top union and company officials as these negotiations unfolded. Celeste Drake, deputy director for labor at the White House National Economic Council, served as the administration's point person on the UPS dispute. That's according to two people familiar with the matter who spoke on the condition of anonymity. White House aides encouraged both sides to reach a negotiation. UPS members will now have the opportunity to vote to ratify the deal. That is a process that takes about three weeks. If members vote down that deal, the union could still strike. That's according to labor leaders. Now, from uh, Eisenstadt at Politico, Ron DeSantis and his presidential campaign is expanding the number of staff it's cutting. (laughs) That's a funny sentence, right? The number of staff they're cutting is growing to include more than a third of his payroll as the Florida governor looks to get his primary bid back on track. It sounds like he's just going to put it in the garage, and that's where it belongs. The cuts, which were confirmed by advisors, will amount to a total of 38 jobs shed across an array of departments. They'll include the roughly 10 event planning positions that were announced several weeks ago as brand new, in addition to the recent departures of two senior DeSantis campaign advisors, Dave Abrams and Tucker Obenshane. Quote, following a top-to-bottom review of our organization, we have taken additional aggressive steps to streamline operations and put Ron DeSantis in the strongest position to win this primary and defeat Joe Biden. That's campaign manager Janera Peck. Governor DeSantis, quote, is going to lead the great American comeback by slashing his his campaign staff by a third. Uh, Going to lead the great American comeback and we're ready to hit the ground running with far fewer people as we head into an important month of the campaign. Oh, bless. Top to bottom review of our organization. We've determined that we suck ass. (laughs) The expanded cuts are the latest sign that the Florida governor's team is pivoting to a slimmed-down operation amid concerns over their money. The campaign announced it raised $20 million during the second quarter of this year, but it spent a good chunk of it. Much of that sum it raised, moreover, came from donors who'd given the maximum amount already. These aren't grassroots donors. According to recent federal filings, the campaign counted 90-plus staffers on its payroll through the end of June. During a donor retreat in Deer Valley, Utah last week, Peck acknowledged the campaign had overspent in some areas and further adjustments would need to be made. We're running out of money. We suck. We're cutting staff and things are are horrible. I I, I saw somewhere they just want to let Ron be Ron. Okay, good. Run with that. What's he been this whole time? They also said they would aim to reduce costs by doing smaller, more intimate events because they can't sell tickets and cutting down its travel expenditures Mm, because we have to hit the ground running because we're going to win. This screams, we're doing really well to me. Some aides will be leaving the campaign, but not the broader effort to elect DeSantis. Both Abrams and Obenshane are expected to help outside pro-DeSantis groups. But in a further indication that the campaign is looking to tighten its belt, the campaign is naming Carl Sousa its chief financial officer. Sousa is also serving as the chief technology officer. Look at that. 
They're making the chief IT guy also in charge of the money. That's a normal dual-hatted situation in any campaign. Come on, that's normal. Nothing to see here. The campaign has made other staff changes in recent weeks, too. Ethan Eilon, the digital director, has been named deputy campaign manager. Cody Hall, top political advisor to Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, has been added as a senior communications advisor. Andrew Romero, who had been the campaign spokesperson, has been elevated to communications director. And in more great news, the White House on Tuesday forgave $130 million in student debt for 7,400 borrowers who attended College America, a now defunct institution in Colorado that officials said misled borrowers about their loans and career prospects. These borrowers were lied to, ripped off and saddled with mountains of debt. That's Joe Biden, our president, in a statement announcing the debt cancellation. The action affects students who attended the school's Colorado-based locations between January 1st, 2006 and July 1st, 2020, that whole 13, 14 and a half year period, 13 and a half, the year in which the school closed, by the way, 2020. Uh, that's Colorado Attorney General Phil Weiser speaking there. He had petitioned the Biden administration last year to erase College America student debt. So here we are. U.S. Department of Education found that College America's parent companies, the Center for Excellence in Higher Education, quote, made widespread misrepresentations about the salaries and employment rates of its graduates the programs it offered, and the terms of private loan products that it offered. That's what Weiser said in a statement Tuesday. Biden's action follows a Supreme Court ruling last month that killed a White House plan to forgive up to $20,000 of student debt per borrower. Loan payments are slated to resume in October after a pause of more than three years. What's left out of this article, and I should tell you, is there's a 12-month ramp-up period where any late payments in the first 12 months are not going to go against your credit. You won't be sent to collections. The White House has approved $14.7 billion in debt relief for 1.1 million student loan borrowers whose colleges took advantage of them or closed abruptly, like College America. The relevant institutions include stuff like Corinthian College and DeVry University. Separately, the administration earlier this month did $39 billion of debt forgiveness for over 800,000 borrowers after individual reviews of debtors in income-driven repayment plans. This was the coolest, shrewdest, slickest shit ever. Supreme Court was like, no, you can't have 10000 to 20000 in student debt. And Biden's like, nope, all right, Secretary of Education Cardona, come over here for a second. What we're going to do is we're going to go one by one through all these student loan borrowers. And for anyone who these private lenders fucked up their income-driven repayment plan, we're just going to forgive their debts. And we're going to do it one at a time. And they've done it so far for 800,000 people. And that program of student debt forgiveness for that shit is going to continue well into next year. It's fantastic. Don't want to play the way I was going to play? All right, we'll just, we'll forgive more. And we'll just use the Higher Education Act to do it. In total, the White House has approved $116 billion in debt relief for over 3.4 million Americans. All right. I think, you know, we've got a lot of good news today, but there could be more. Um, interestingly, I think I mentioned this at the top of the show. John Eastman's lawyer was on Chris Hayes tonight saying that uh, we're drafting a memo to send to Fonnie Willis in Georgia and to Jack Smith to basically ask him not to file criminal charges. That means Eastman's not cooperating. Eastman's a target in both of those investigations. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, I don't think the grand jury met today. We thought they were. Everybody was camped out by the courthouse. They had porta potties out there. Was getting, getting some, seeing some action down there at the Prettyman courthouse. But um, the next time the grand jury meets is tomorrow. You're listening to this Wednesday. It's tomorrow on Thursday. If we wait the three weeks that it took in the documents case, 
It took three weeks between Donald Trump getting his target letter and being indicted. Then we're looking at the week of August 8th for these coup indictments. But a lot of people seem to think they're going to come sooner than that. We still have interviews going on into August, but that might not necessarily be about this specific indictment of Donald Trump. Now, I know it takes two to tango. You have to have multiple people for a conspiracy, but you can also have unindicted co-conspirators who are charged separately or charged later. So we'll see how he rolls this out. It's going to be interesting. We have a lot of good news today uh, and we will get to it, but we just have to take a quick break. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. You know, everyone asked me how I get so much done every day. How do I do three podcasts, run a network, make the appearances? Well, my secret is a good night's sleep. And the secret to a good night's sleep is Helix. My Helix mattress is tailored to my needs. It provides me with the perfect wind down after a full day. Just go to helixsleep.com slash daily beans. Take their two minute sleep quiz. They'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. And you'll get 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows. Helix knows we're all unique. That's why they offer a variety of mattress models, each designed for specific sleep positions and preferences. They have 20 unique models, including the Lux Collection and the newly released Elite Collection. They even have options for big and tall sleepers and the little ones too. But how do you navigate these options? You just take the sleep quiz, the Helix sleep quiz. It's incredible. In under two minutes, it recommends the perfect mattress. It matched me to the Helix Midnight because I'm a side sleeper and I like a medium firm bed. And Helix is so confident you'll love your new mattress. They offer a 100 sleep trial. You get to sleep on it for 100 nights and they have a 10 or 15 year warranty depending on the model. You can test out your new mattress in the comfort of your own home. So you can skip the weird mattress store and let Helix bring the comfort to your doorstep. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans and use code HELIXPARTNER. This is their best offer yet. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want to play what the mutt, what the heck wine, send me pictures of frog orgies, send Dana pictures of babies. She'll be back tomorrow. So send in those baby pictures. A shout out to yourself. Tell me what you're proud of. A shout out to a loved one. Uh, Shit kids say, shit you say. Um, Anything at all you want to send us. A shout out to a small business in your area. If you can't pay pod pet tax, you can send us an adoptable pet near where you live. And we will try to connect people up so they can adopt that beautiful baby. Uh, All right. So that's it. You go to dailybeanspod.com and click on contact and send it in. First up from Karina, pronouns she and her. Hello. Today, I want to celebrate an amazing organization in my area, the Denver Tool Library. Okay, this sounds awesome. The mission of the Tool Library is to provide low-cost access to tools and the know-how to use them, all in a safe and supportive environment. They remove barriers to tool access, including high-cost space, knowledge, inhibition, discrimination, and offer a wide selection of hands-on classes. This past week, I took a Know Your Car class hosted by Care from Good Judy Garage, an LGBTQ plus owned auto repair shop I first heard about on the Daily Beans in the Good News segment. He walked us through all sorts of maintenance and roadside emergency car knowledge. But my favorite part was that he really focused on making us feel confident enough in our knowledge that we can avoid being taken advantage of at auto shops in the future. I loved every class I've taken at Denver Tool Library, but this one really stood out for how inclusive and empowering it was. Pet Tax is a picture of our pooch, Wrightwood, 
That's a cool name. W-R-I-G-H-T-W-O-O-D, Wrightwood. He's a five-year-old Australian shepherd mix, but has always been mistaken for an elderly dog due to the white patch around his mouth. He's beautiful. Oh, I bet he's smart too. What a cool thing. Denver Tool Library. Everybody check it out. Thanks, Karina, for that submission. Next up, anonymous, no pronouns. Hi, Beans Queens. This is not so much of a correction, but a suggestion. I've noticed most media, including Beans and Jack, referred to the documents case or the Mar-a-Lago case, and I worry this is once again allowing Trump to set the narrative in the all-important court of public opinion. This is not a case of misplaced documents, such as with Biden or Pence, or even a case limited to one Florida club, so let's call it what it is, the espionage and obstruction case. I'm hoping the mighty Leguminati can help this catch on. For pet tax, I've included my parents sent me this photo when I was in the hospital away from my kitty. Your podcast was a huge source of sanity during that time. So thank you for all you're doing. This, <laughs> uh, You know that cats, when they have their mouth kind of partially open, look how cute. So wonderful. Thanks for that, Anonymous. I'm going to try to do that. Mostly we're just trying to get through the talk because there's so many cases that it's, you know, it's just, it's hard to remember like which ones we're specifically talking about, but I'll see if we can't work on that. I'm trying to, instead of call it January 6th, I'm trying to call it the coup, the coup uh, investigation. So I'll work on the others as well. Thank you for that suggestion. Bonnie, pronoun she and her. Hello, Leguminati. I know you like animals with human names. So here's my horse, Emmett, for a what the heck wine. Quick caveat, I have not had him officially DNA tested, but there's a consensus opinion among everyone who has met him in person as to his breed. Given your skill at this unusual game, I'm curious to see if you agree with the consensus or have a different answer in mind. Oh, it's a red horse, which kind of leads me to believe that he uh, is probably, he's got a little star on his forehead. He looks like a quarter horse. Um, and he's got some socks too. And boot. Oh, he's very beautiful. Let's see. Rolling down, rolling down. Consensus among everyone who's met Emmett is that he is an American quarter horse. That makes sense because the AQHA papers have a tendency to go missing when horses change hands multiple times in their lives. This is him during his horse showing career, but he's since been happily retired and now eats grass for a living. That sounds like fantastic life. Thank you so much for that. I got it. Quarter horse. Woohoo. I'm so much better at this than dogs. Why is that? All right. Probably I spent more time around horses, I guess. Next up from Ellie, pronouns she and her. Hello, friends. I wanted to share some good news with you all. A little over seven years ago, I was in a terrible car accident that resulted in some life consequences and an opportunity for some major self-reflection after getting behind the wheel when I shouldn't have. I'm proud to tell you I've been sober since, and this Sunday I celebrated seven years of continuous sobriety. I now sit on a World Services Board of a 12-step program and help others to confront their demons and make positive changes in their lives. Amazing, Ellie. Congratulations on seven years. As a result of my accident, I've been stuck in the same dead-end job. While I'm very grateful to have had a job at all, it hasn't been easy, especially once COVID hit. I work in an industry with a lot of non-believers and Trump supporters. Uh, the only thing that kept me going was the number of people who bring in their dogs. I interviewed with a company I really wanted to work for over a year ago, and they offered me a job. Unfortunately, they couldn't hire me with my background, though. I thought all hope was lost and was ready to accept defeat when they told me they would hire me this summer once the incident no longer came up, and I'm happy to report I start August 21st. There won't be dogs to pet, but this is a major step for me and on the road to financial security and something I haven't had in years. My pod pet tax is my little man, Sully, which I've submitted many times and our new kitten roommates. 
He isn't too sure uh, about them, but they're working it out. The kittens were part of a litter of four that were born in a plumbing access hole in the wall of the building I work in on April 3rd. We've been feeding them mama since the cold, wet winter, and like most feral cats, she soon became pear-shaped. My intention was to adopt one of them, but I quickly realized they were a bonded pair. The tuxedo is Cosmo and the tortie is Rory. Cosmo and Rory, thanks for all you do. Keep up the good fight and fuck the fascists. Oh my God. I love this pair of kittens. I love tuxies. You know, I love tuxies. Oh, look at the peats. The tuxie peats. It's like, instead of just white socks, it's like four little white dots. Oh my gosh, so cute. Thank you for that. Oh, and look at the doggo. <laughs> so cool. Oh, the, the tuxie's a long boy too. That's very cool. All right, next up from Bob, pronouns he and him. Update on Schwartz, the wonder dog. Oh God, I love this dog so much. <laughs> I have to show this to Dana. I know she's out today. She's going to be sad. She missed this. He had his final chemo session today. We find out next month if he's fully cancer-free. They even gave him a graduation hat to celebrate. So cute. <laughs> this dog so much, Bob. Thank you for sending him in. Congratulations on your final chemo session. Uh, and thanks for the the kitten photos here. Thanks for the what the heck one. I got quarter horse. That's great. Thanks to Anonymous. I'll work on changing and, and modifying the names of the cases. And uh, of course, uh, Karina, thank you to you as well with the uh, Denver Tool Library and your beautiful Australian Shepherd mix. You are all awesome. I love the Leguminati. It is the best thing about this whole entire situation that we find ourselves in, except now we're starting to see some accountability. We're starting to see some union movement. And I think 2023 is the year of accountability. So, mm, yes, uh, let's revel in it. Let's take the W. That's awesome. I'll be back tomorrow with Dana. And until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q and bring someone with you. I've been AG and them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, Welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. 
We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing on the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.